0: Hello and welcome to episode thirty of the Waters Wavelength podcast. My name is Dan Francesco I'm the deputy editor of CellSide Technology. And finally, finally, back, it's been a while. I am joined by my co-host,
1: <clears throat> the U.S. You're, you're editor. getting choked up. I'm aren't getting choked you? up. Yeah,
0: tears are coming down my eyes. I'm joined by my co-host, the U.S. editor of Waters Technology, Anthony Maliki. And Anthony, great to see you. Good to be back. Great to have you back, and finally you're able to take part. You know, last week I was by myself. You're able to take part in this great new audio equipment we got. This, yep. you know, a little bit of an investment we got. The the higher ups believe in us. It feels professional right now. We're doing something right. We're doing something right. Uh, so today. We had this week. We had a we had a guest, uh, Vijay Luthra, the uh, global head of infrastructure engineering and operations from Northern Trust came on. I'm going to touch on that in a second. But real quick, we just wanted to you know introduce the podcast. And uh, I know uh, you know a lot of things going on at Waters right now. We have the BST awards just open up for entries. That's right, Anthony.
1: Right? Yes, the BuySide Technology Awards are now open for submission and will be open until I believe September 9th. I want to say. Um, and so go in. It's a 500 word description. Or we have a bunch of different categories to enter. Um, but if you go to waterstechnology.com, uh, you'll be able to find it there. We'll also link to it um, in the site. But go in. You know, try and get your submissions in early uh, so that you're not pushing the deadline. And then calling us up and say, please, please, can we have some more time? Which inevitably <laughs> most of you will end up doing. So uh, Anthony and I are going
0: to talk a little bit on the back end about what we've been up to the past couple weeks because we haven't really been able to catch up on the podcast. Uh, but I'm going to jump right now to the conversation with VJ. It's, it's about 20, 25 minutes. I think I don't know exactly off the top of my head. But the focus of the conversation was on emerging technologies and disruption in the data center. Uh, Vijay did a great job right up top of giving a bunch of real-world examples of stuff they're doing at Northern. And then we just talked in general about um, – about just different implementations and whatnot, um, you know, and just overall trends of public cloud. And it was a really good conversation. Vijay was a great guy. And we also talked about some hotspots in uh, Silicon Valley to, to eat and go out at. So uh, definitely worth checking out. So we're going to jump to that now. And then, like I said, on the back end, Anthony and I will talk a little bit. But uh, right now, here's Vijay Luthra of uh, Northern Trust. <music> All right, hello and I'm joined now by Vijay Luthra, the Global Head of Infrastructure Engineering and Operations at Northern Trust. Vijay, thanks so much for uh, joining us today.
2: Hey uh, Dan, thanks for thanks for having having me um, very very excited to be to be on.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I know we we talked talked a little bit before, and you know you you're an infrastructure guy. You've been an infrastructure guy your entire career, and one uh, one area we want to focus on is kind of the emerging technologies and the disruption of the data center. It's uh, often talked about topic. It's something that every firm, buy side, sell side has to deal with. I think to start in kind of the couple of the preliminary uh, emails we exchanged back and forth, use the term, uh, you know, bringing the, the Amazon effect to our data, set, data centers. Uh, it's something that I, I hadn't heard before. I could kind of posture a few guesses, but since you said it, let's have you explain it. Uh, talk to us a little bit, explain a little bit about the, uh, the Amazon effect.
2: Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, I've used it um, for a few few months now, and um, and I think it, it accurately reflects what we're trying to do internally uh, at Northern Trust. So so but so what I mean by the Amazon effect and bringing that into your data center essentially means, you know, kind of taking the things that Amazon has done extremely well and applying those principles uh, internally. So what that essentially means is. How do we continue to reduce total cost of ownership? How do we improve time to market? How do we improve uh, customer and employee experience? And while we're doing all that, not lose sight of uh, reliability, sub- stability, security, et cetera, et cetera. And we need to get into the habit of consistently doing that over time, which is what Amazon has done. That essentially means bringing the Amazon effect uh, it could mean different things for different organizations depending on where they are in the overall uh, lifecycle uh, you know which you know in, in terms of uh, let's say cloud is a key initiative for them where they are in the cloud maturity phase it could mean something different for them um, it could mean different things for different organizations uh, but ultimately the goal is to, to consistently and continually bring the Amazon effect uh, into your data centers
0: sure Sure. absolutely so that's a good jumping off point now you touched on a couple a couple of the big areas that are always brought up with with Danis There's you know the, the total cost of ownership, improving time to market improving client partner experience. Could you maybe give us a couple of examples some projects some areas that you know Northern has worked on or completed in regards you know touching on that that, that those areas and to the theme of uh, kind of bringing the Amazon effect.
2: Yep, absolutely. I'll, I'll mention a couple examples, a uh, couple that, that we've already, you know, wrapped up and, and, and are well on our way, and then a couple that we're working on currently um, and hope to go live in the near future. So, so one good example is our private cloud strategy, uh, which, which we've deployed, uh, which is 100% based on next-gen hyper-converged, converged uh, infrastructure. Um, we've been on the journey for almost two and a half, three years now. Uh, you know, we had a very, very solid solid uh, platform with virtualization, and it was a very easy transition uh, to move on to uh, the next-gen private cloud. Um, some key metrics from, from our private cloud overall platform, uh, close to 30 to 40% of our storage is now software-defined. Um, we are essentially rolling out software-defined components within our private cloud now, Sof- software-driven load balancers, software-driven um, firewalls, et cetera. And the net result of it has been our time to market for new applications uh, onto our private cloud is down by 40%, 45%. Um, our so, so that directly impacts uh, you know, uh, new services that we're able to deploy for our, for our, for our customers. Um, our, our resourcing levels uh, have also shrunk uh, since a lot of this is highly automated, highly standardized stack. Uh, we've been a- able to get uh, tons of resource synergies so that directly impacts the TCO aspects. Um, we've gotten extremely uh, good about uh, the entire patching cycles since these are converged, hyper-converged systems, the patching has gotten very, very consistent, uh, which has also directly impacted um, the number of critical incidents that we've experienced which have been almost non-existent on some of our cloud platforms. Uh, So again, that impacts customer experience, client experience. Um, And and finally, uh, you know, we've built, uh, it's built on a very rock solid, secure, Stack, um, and, and, and we haven't lost sight of any of those controls that that need to be uh, deployed on our private cloud. And, and that's one great example of how we've leveraged uh, some of the emerging technologies to, to, uh, you know, kind of bring the Amazon effect into our data center. Um, just, just on the private cloud. Before I move on to the next example, we're clearly uh, positioning ourselves for hybrid clouds. Um, we've done several POCs. We've we've done some test dev work on, on private cloud on public clouds. Sorry, uh, and this is not SaaS. I'm talking uh, infrastructure as a service. Uh, and we continue to we we'll, we'll, we plan on continuing to expand that uh, over the coming years and and build a robust um, hybrid cloud strategy uh, based on a sound uh, uh, private cloud platform. Another example uh, of how we've leveraged some of the emerging technologies, we've got terabytes and terabytes of log and performance data that we mine uh, on a big data, on Hadoop as a big data platform. And it's essentially a lot of infrastructure performance data um, that in the past was uh, being captured by siloed systems and not being mined, uh, you know, not being pulled into a central repository. So one of the advantages we have with our approach, and we've been doing it for close to two years now, we've got uh, you know, almost 15 plus data sources from you know, storage area networks to brocade switches to uh, our private cloud to um, uh, our, our NAS appliances. We're pulling in all the performance data into, into, our, into this big data Uh, Hadoop platform, and we've built uh, an application on top of it that allows us to report on the performance uh, of these various devices, and we've also started doing some correlation between data sources. Um, You know, the teams, we've essentially operationalized this entire process where, you know, offshore teams uh, on a weekly basis uh, have been trained to review these performance logs and respond proactively uh, you know, add capacity, chase down rogue workloads, uh, and essentially we've been able to avoid several performance issues before they impacted uh, applications, which could have impacted our, our customer and, and uh, employee experience. Uh, so, again, another example where we leveraged open source big data technologies to mine infrastructure performance logs, and then the end result was you know, essentially reducing cost of ownership as well as improving client and customer experience. Again, kind of bringing the, and tying it back to the, uh, you know, bringing in the Amazon effect into the data centers. And then, you know, some future stuff we're working on that we're very excited about. Uh, We're we're building out a a container as a service Um, uh, within, on top of our private cloud, which is essentially partnering with, with Docker and deploying uh, you know Docker containers within our infrastructure, which has several benefits, uh, including enabling a, a DevOps-like culture for our application development teams, uh, as well as uh, improves our data center efficiency once we've uh, rolled it out uh, to to a broader set of um, servers. So, so again, another example where we're leveraging emerging technologies, open source technologies, partnering with with companies that. Um, that have technology that solves real problems for us and then bringing it into our data centers and figuring out the best way uh, to again reduce cost improve time to market etc cetera, etc cetera. so those are some examples that that i would cite
0: sure so you you bring up hybrid cloud and talking about how you're working on some some projects in that space it's a topic that we we see a trend we see amongst a lot of firms at least that I've spoken to my actually the opinion piece I wrote last month for the magazine uh, was kind of based off that and some conversations I had with some folks up at RBC what for for you specifically for northern what was what was it that made uh, you decide to make the move towards a hybrid cloud what was it maybe that made you feel comfortable about the public cloud to start making some movements with the hybrid cloud because it seems like that the glacier that has stopped a lot of firms from entering or toying around with the public cloud has melted significantly and there's a lot of movement in that space what was it specific for northern that now it's starting to move in that trend
2: yeah so so then just to be clear we we've got from a infrastructure as a service perspective just to be clear we've got zero production infrastructure as a service workloads uh, in the public cloud. Uh, we've got some test dev stuff that we're experimenting with. We're doing a bunch of POCs to help with time to market, um, You know, with, to help with some of the time to market benefits. Um, the key though is to position ourselves for hybrid cloud where we could run production workloads in the near future. Uh, once we've got the right level of buy-in internally um, and and do it in such a way that it is secure and have all the right uh, you know tools in place and encryption and whatever else is needed. We are seeing more and more regulators come out and clarify their positions on public clouds. So you are right; it is definitely starting to to you know I think 2016, late 2015 has certainly been a turning point in terms of. Uh, a lot of these regulators have, have been a little more clear about what, what is expected, so we're going to take advantage of that for certain. But I will throw another caveat in there. The cost model is I personally, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still we're, we're, we're cautiously optimistic uh, that the hybrid clouds uh, will will end up bringing you know if it's a pure TCO play then maybe maybe not, uh, but if you look at certain types of workloads they might run well on public clouds and I think that is the key is to identify which applications make the most sense, um, not losing sight of the total cost ownership aspects of uh, you know of our budget. So we're being we're being you know, we're, we're, we're doing the right thing, we're doing our due diligence, we don't want to lose sight of costs, yet we want to find the right workloads that would run on the public clouds in a safe and secure manner.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think it's a sentiment that a lot of banks and asset managers are in the same spot as you, where they're kind of dipping their toe in the water, they're seeing how things go, and I think the regulation piece is, is a big aspect of it, because no one wants to get, you know, Caught with their pants down, so to speak, I guess for lack of a better term. But you want to you want to protect yourself and you want to be smart. And I guess so. To that point, you know, you you mentioned that throughout all of this, while you're looking at reducing total cost of ownership, you're loose, looking at improving time to market. You're looking at improving client and partner experience. You also you can't lose sight of the stability, the reliability, and the security. I mean, those are the three three massively important things. Obviously, when it comes to data centers, how do you make sure you keep that balance with every emerging technology you look to implement in at the firm? How do you make sure there's always that balance of making sure it's stable, making sure it's reliable, making sure it's secure?
2: Yep, yep. I think that's a good question. I think it's a it's a risk reward uh, type discussion at times. So, you know, we partner with we've recently partnered with a lot of emerging companies that have yet to. Uh, uh, you know, they, they that are still growing and their products are still maturing, and I think taking, use, leveraging these technologies in the right areas where, where you could minimize minimize your risk and identify workloads or, or um, you know areas where, where the downside is limited is probably a, 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 a decent way to bring them on board. And then grow the technology once it proves uh, proves uh, success successful. So we've used that approach, uh, for example, with a, a technology we used for uh, VDI, uh, the next gen VDI hyperconverged provider, Nutanix. Um, we we brought them in for a very very small use case VDI, and since then, uh, you know, since, since you know almost two and a half years ago. It's grown significantly, uh, you know, as they've proven themselves, and we've started to use them in in other areas.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Uh- you're also part of uh, this group. So I, I, I've spoken to, you know, we did a cover story on Scott Murray, the Northern CTO, uh, about a year ago. I also spoke to Len Hardy, uh, the director of uh, architecture and innovation um, for an open source story. And the reason why I bring up uh, Scott and Len is because I know that you're part of that group along with those two um, that heads out to Silicon Valley. Uh, about four times, four times a year, looking at uh, new emerging technologies and and, and whatnot, and setting up meetings with a lot of the fintechs out there. Now, I'm gonna ask you about that. But first, as somebody that you know, you spend a decent amount of time, you know, every every couple of years, every couple of months, out there. Do you have a favorite restaurant spot? Is there a, you know, as someone you kind of frequent there? Have you picked a certain spot out there that you always like going for dinner or lunch? Or do you have any favorite uh, local locales that you can give our listeners a little bit of- A heads up about when they're out there.
2: Oh, in the the valley? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, Valley, uh, so you're right. We visit the valley twice, uh, two to four times a year. Uh, We've built some really, really deep relationships with the brightest and the best in the valley. My favorite spot is downtown Palo Alto. Uh, For those of you that have been there, it is such such an amazing place. Uh, Tons of great restaurants. Uh, There's there's this tea the place where we get we can buy tea um and i forget what the name of the place is it's right on downtown and they've got some some of the best uh most different flavored teas that i've ever had in the world i'm sure it'll come back as as I'm talking for you. I no, it's okay. The I you're you're
0: you're protecting your uh your local spot. I understand. You don't want the overall <laughs> masses to uh to take it over. That's a smart move. That's that's an inch okay. What about cuisine-wise, food-wise? Well, what's your what's your favorite is there something you go to out there that you you maybe you can't get in Chicago?
2: Yeah, uh, there was this uh, Italian place we'd been to. I believe it was called Garden Court, which was which had awesome awesome food um they you know mexican is my, my my one of my favorite cuisines and again you know i'm not good with names the name is skipping me it's right up opposite uh the the apple store uh, but there's there's a pretty good uh mexican restaurant there as well but but tons of good good cuisines on in, in downtown
0: Palo Alto. All right. All right. We'll let you, we'll let you protect your sources. We'll let you protect your spots. I, I respect that. <laughs> I understand that you don't want a long wait time next time you're there. But so talk to us a little bit about this, uh, this trip. You talk about working with the, the best and brightest. What do you, what for, from your perspective, because you know, like you have Scott, who's the CTO, you have, um, you have Len, Len Hardy, the director of architecture and innovation. And then I, you also, his, his name's escaping me, but I know your, your CISO traditionally goes with you as well on the trip. Is that correct?
2: Yep. Yep. Steve Locke.
0: Right. Um, so you. So you. Ha- you got the architecture. You got the head of technology. You got the security guy, and then obviously you on the infrastructure side. What are you? What are you keeping your eyes peeled? What are you looking out for during these trips when you head out to the valley?
2: Yep. So like I was saying, um, we do it two to four times a year. We've been doing it for several years now, and it's it's gotten to a point where we've built some really really deep relationships with some of the partners and general partners. Uh, at some of these top-notch uh, <coughs> VC firms, um, and our goal has always been, right? Us, us in tech, and Scott Murray and, and his organization. Our goal has been to create a win-win. Um, you know, our our private equity business has deep relationships as well with some of these organizations. Uh, so, so the goal has always been: how do we create a win-win for us, for our business and the private equity, you know, our private equity folks. Uh, the VCs themselves, um, and essentially how it's worked out is we leverage them for their insights into, hey, where's the market headed? Where are you investing your money? <clears throat> for example, this time around when we went, we, we, we noticed a, a huge percentage of the funds uh, of the, some of the newer funds that are being raised uh, is, is directed towards uh, security products. Uh, which tells me two to five years out, once these companies are out of stealth mode and out of beta and and, and have real products, there's going to be major major disruption in, in how uh, we secure our data centers. Uh, but 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 you know the the partners, general partners, what we get out of them is they advise us on the trends and and, and where they're investing. They they leverage us at times uh, on, hey, we're looking at this type of company or this product or this idea. What do you guys think? Is it a real problem? Uh, Is it a real challenge for you folks? Uh, And we try and make ourselves available because, you know, at times we learn how some of these young entrepreneurs are thinking about solving these problems, Um, and then, and then, you know, it's kind of a a two-way two-way street. this is, you know, one 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 example of how how it's kind of uh, benefited us. Um, we have also started adopting a lot of these technologies way early on in the process, which I think has been uh, another huge advantage. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned Nutanix. Another example is Docker. Um, you know, we're we're an early early adopter. Uh, we're we're taking Docker and integrating it with our CI-CD uh, toolchain and, and trying to make uh, you know our developers more productive uh, in terms of improving the time to market uh, for them and, and how soon they can release new code. Uh, Atlassian suite of products is another example. Uh, Bitglass is another example. These are just young and up-and-coming companies, or at least they were then. Um, some of these are pretty established now. Um, and then there's several examples of stuff in the pipeline. I mean, for example, we're looking at uh, a company called Cohesity, which is a, a secondary data storage platform provider uh, that has a very, very disruptive approach at how they look at the entire secondary data storage platform. Um, you know, I've met their CEO quite a few times, very, you know, he's got a great vision of where the company's headed, um, and, and we're actively looking at uh, POCing their technology.
0: So that's, that kind of brings me to my, my next question for you is when you are looking, at, you know, when, when those VCs talk to you and say, hey, what do you think of this company? What do you think of them solving this problem? What are, and I know it's tough to not give you a specific example of a problem or something you're looking for, but what, what are things that stand out to you? You know, we have a lot of people across the board. We have people that listen that are, you know, either at startups or maybe they want to start a startup. What's something that they can focus on or what, what are some really key differentiators for you? You that stand out when it comes to looking or scouting uh, fintechs.
2: So, so f- we try and so when we focus on the companies we focus on are generally our hardcore tech. Um, we do have a separate group, group of people within Northern Trust that uh, are looking at fintech startups. Uh, but Dan, was your question more specific to any firm we look at? Or yeah, I'm sorry. We'll, yeah, we'll,
0: we'll do. We can do hardcore uh, tech. The, what What you're more comfortable with, and what What you're more used to uh, scouting.
2: So, so, so the question: What type of companies generate our interest? Is that?
0: Well, what's the you the know the you, you or, talk like? What's the the differentiator, or what do you, what do you really what stands out about when you're when you're you know in the valley looking at different firms or talking to different VCs and they're kind of asking you your opinion on everything? What what are things that really stand out uh, about a firm? Uh,
2: about a VC or the portfolio company?
0: The uh, the portfolio company.
2: Got it. So. So, what we are looking for and what stands out is essentially, and I'm going to tie it back to, to my guiding principles. Um, we're going through disruptive times. Uh, you know, the, the traditional, several, or actually, majority of the traditional architectures that have been in place in the last 10, 12, 15 years are under threat. And um, what we are looking for, what I'm personally looking for, is, is companies that solve real-life problems that are taking advantage of some of the emerging trends, like software-defined components, uh, you know, like hyper-convergence of technologies, like cloud-based solutions. Folks that are, have taken advantage of these uh, emerging trends uh, are riding this wave and have uh, a product that solves a real-life problem. and. I take it through my lenses. Hey, this is product. Uh, Reduce my cost of ownership. Does it have the potential of taking my cost of ownership down? What's the risk to stability, availability? So I take it through some of those same common, you know, uh, guiding principles. And very quickly, you get to a handful of companies that are going to meet many of those guiding principles. And then you determine if, if the timing is right to to kind of, you know, continue your conversations with them.
0: Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, listen, Vijay, this has been this has been great. Um, before I let you go, though, let you know to kind of bring it full circle for a firm, you know, someone um, on the infra- on the infrastructure side that's looking to kind of, like you said, implement these emerging technologies to kind of disrupt uh, th- their data centers. What's just you know if a thirty thousand foot view a last takeaway of a piece of advice you could provide them what would you say when you know as they go on this journey to try to innovate and disrupt their own data centers?
2: Yep, absolutely. So, so you know, three to five years out, I think folks need to start preparing for that. You know, three to five year future, uh, maybe even beyond, where the data center and a lot of the components within the data center will be software driven Um, what are the skill sets that are needed to run that type of data center Um, automation will be a big uh, big capability Uh, and and automation capabilities don't come overnight they need to be developed Uh, the skill sets have to be developed the tooling has to be developed Uh, analytics and intelligence uh, you know reporting across domains these will be all key elements of a future uh, you know the data center of the future and and these take time effort and energy to build um and 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 my advice to folks is is those 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 that have begun the journey great job stay focused figure out pieces that are more relevant Uh, you don't have to go by the market buzz uh, and and pick things that are the hottest today pick what makes most sense for your data center uh, but do have a roadmap, a multi-year roadmap to get to that end state. Uh, but the advice is, you know, if you haven't started, you know, open your eyes and, and you'll see uh, an entirely new, different world, different than the technologies that were offered late 90s, early 2000s. And it's, it's still a great time to, to kind of jump on some of these uh, newer technologies bandwagon and prepare yourself for the future.
0: Absolutely. Well, listen, Vijay, we really appreciate you taking the time to come on and and chat with us about this.
2: No, oh, thank you. Thank you for hosting, and I enjoyed the conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much. All right. So Anthony and I are back now, and uh, you know, since it's been a few weeks since we've done a podcast together, we figured it'd be good to talk a little bit about what's going on. We both coincidentally went on vacation, not at the same time, because. God, what would happen to the publication if Anthony and I were not there to keep the ship abreast? You know, Me, it
1: would uh, be holding things together with both hands. I'm sure.
0: I know, yeah. So, uh, since uh, you know, let's we'll start with you. You were down in uh, Raleigh, uh, North Carolina. I know that's where your 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 parents are. You know, the infamous,
1: yes, Larry uh, Malikan, who well, we all infamous- got to listen to a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So, tell us, you know, how was that? How was uh, Raleigh? It was good. Yeah, we it's. Yeah, you know with anybody you know, you're cramming your family into it's 18 of us crammed into my parents place down there so it's it was packed uh me and my girlfriend we were sleeping on an air mattress in the kitchen so you know that was fun um but other than that you know it was just basically sitting around uh having some drinks went to the firing range to shoot some guns um as you do when you go down south um and uh but yeah america america baby so, uh, yeah, we had a good time. How about you? You were out on the uh, Outer Banks,
0: wasn't it? Was, I was in North Carolina as well. I was out on the coast, uh, the uh, Outer Banks. For those of you unfamiliar, it's the coast of islands uh, along the, you know, obviously the eastern coast of North Carolina. It's actually where the Wright brothers, Orville and Redenbacher. I don't know if the other one's Redenbacher. I think that's the popcorn. but Both. Or one of them's Orville, the Wright brothers, though. Okay. But they that's uh, where they flew for the first time. First in flight it's on the license plate uh but yeah just simple beach house right on the beach uh a lot of people ask why you know with so many spots in between here and there do i choose to go all the way down to north carolina it's just one of those things we started going down there when i was a kid and uh i'm lucky enough to have my parents still fork over the money to rent the house so i glom on and so does my sister and uh and her husband and, and my girlfriend so it was a whole bunch of us down there six people in a little beach hut but it was a lot of fun it was good Lots of beers to be drank, lots of good food to eat. Uh, it was very enjoyable. Um, but now we're back in the real world,
1: mm-hmm.
0: back to work. Uh, but one thing that we do want to touch on is how awesome we are, how awesome America is, how awesome our country is, because yes. we're kicking ass right now in the Olympics. Yes, uh, They haven't got to track and field yet, but right now swimming has just been... All USA, uh, everyone saw, what was it, Ellie, was it King with the yeah. infamous finger wag Lily to King, uh, yeah. Lily King with the infamous finger wag to um, the Russian doper. And then, um, you know, of course, Phelps' face is, has been everywhere, the uh, infamous, the famous now. Michael Phelps kind of looks like the Star Wars guy with the hood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it started, what, Friday were the opening ceremonies, so we're less than a week, you know, today's Thursday, we're less than a week in. What have been your uh, initial thoughts so far? I'm going to
1: say it again. <laughs>
0: I can see the wheels are really turning. Anthony's like, wait, because uh, again, so, you know, some hard worker I am on, a, on, on Thursday, I'm, uh, I'm heading out for another brief vacation. So we're recording this on a Wednesday. And as I say, t- you know, today's Thursday, I could see o- the wheels were turning <laughs> in Anthony's head. Wait, today's Wednesday. But, you know, trying to that, that great podcast magic. But so less than a weekend. What are your thoughts so far in the Olympics?
1: Uh, for me the story is Lily King uh, my new favorite athlete uh, that was just that's what you know that's what America is brash arrogant you know and not only that but then you back it up you go out there you kick her butt and then I love that she still was just like you know just was at the end was just like nope don't like Doper shouldn't been in the game love her she's the biggest she'll be the biggest takeaway from these Olympics um, the women's gymnastics team was just absolutely dominant so it was fun to watch them um do their thing um and then watch phelps beat uh, uh the south african who didn't back up his trash talk see if you're gonna trash talk you gotta back it up otherwise you're just a big old loser And that's what – No, did he – I watched the video. Did he
0: directly – everyone's like, oh, he was trying to intimidate Phelps. Did he directly say something to Michael or was that just his warm-up?
1: Because this poor guy, they're all sitting in the same room. No, no, it's not even that. Like, Yeah, this was uh, a while back he had said that – He's glad that Michael Phelps is is at full strength, so he won't have any excuses when I beat him. Oh, and I didn't when think he won the U.S. That. trials, he goes, "Oh well, it's pretty you know good to go and beat the U.S. you know to beat when you're swimming alone in the pool, but when it's me coming up behind you, it's going to be something different." And then he lost, and it's just like so. It was I loved watching that. Um, so again, if you're going to be brash, you have to back it up. Yeah, so sorry as a South African, sorry Victor Anderson, but yeah. sucks when you suck. <laughs> you know, sucks when you suck. Uh,
0: yeah, I um, the Lily King thing. Didn't she? Did she call out some Americans
1: for doping too? I thought Not I that I that. recall, but I, for me, I just know about the Russian stuff. But if she also called out, if she called out all dopers, that's fine by me. You know? Yeah, yeah. I suppose what. Oh, I remember – no, it was Gatlin, uh, the the sprinter. Remember that? Uh, oh, Justin Gatlin, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, okay. Is he American or is he – yeah. I it, think he's American. He's not Canadian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, was, was, like, that uh,
0: was the other that – was, that was Ben Johnson. Ben Johnson from yeah. years years ago. Uh, what – so what do you think about the cupping – You know, everyone has noticed now Michael Phelps has these big red circles. Uh, I already saw that the Russian Federation coincidentally tried to claim that this is similar to doping because of what it does. For those of you that don't know, basically you take giant cups and you essentially give yourself a hickey. And by doing so, this is very much a layman's understanding of it. But by doing so, the blood flows through and it kind of circulates and it helps with muscle relief. It's been a practice that's been around for a while. It's not against any rules, but you had Russian people, Russian you know, news media outlets apparently comparing it to doping and saying that this is cheating as well.
1: Well, Russian media outlets are always, you know, there's a lot of integrity in uh, what they report on. Um, so, yeah, Shots we should definitely take their uh, uh, words on it. Um, yeah, for me, listen, it looks stupid, uh, but if you feel it helps you, fantastic great just understand that for years and years and years as we replay your great highlights there's also going to be vi- video of you now that just has these huge welts all over your body and you look stupid so congrats but whatever i,
0: I do have one point that i want to bring up and we don't have to go too long on the olympics cause apparently we talk about sports too much So, according, been
1: told? so I've been according told.
0: to some people we talk about <laughs> sports too much sorry um but you know everybody likes the olympics so this is kind of a, a crosses all boundaries uh so the beach volleyball team right who was the 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 american team that won gold a couple years a few times in a row um i can't remember their names i can't remember their names either but the there's a tall blonde one i I feel bad for not knowing their names but there's a tall blonde uh uh woman and then there was a shorter blonde woman and misty may and uh misty may and someone else well misty may was the shorter one she retired after they won gold in 2012 in london she said i'm out but her teammate still wanted to continue. And they knew going into this that she was out. So then they talk about how this great story, how this teammate. the, the Carrie girl, Walsh. James. Carrie Walsh. Carrie Walsh, uh, sorry, Carrie Walsh, what was her? Jennings. Jennings. Carrie Walsh Jennings finds another teammate to to go with her and how they're back in the Olympics and they want gold in Rio. And they tell this great story about how the U.S., uh, Misty May and Carrie Walsh Jennings played another U.S. team in the finals for the gold medal. And they beat the team to win the gold, this U.S. team to win the gold medal. And after the game, Carrie Walsh, Jennings gives a hug to the other team, because they're both Americans, they're both from the same country, gives a hug to the other team after they beat them, and she whispers in the person's ear, now let's go win gold in Rio, and the person goes, yeah, that sounds great, it's all this great story about how they came together. My question is, what about the other teammate? What about the girl that just made it, the woman that just made it to the, the finals of the Olympics in beach volleyball, mm-hmm. gets silver, right? Yeah. Now they know the top team's out. She's like, this is great. Me and my teammate now, we were the second best team in the world. Now we get rid of the first team in the world. Now I'm going to win gold in Rio. And she turns around, and her teammate's like, see you later. I'm going to go partner up with Kerry Wall Jennings. I would be, like, what's that side of the story? Now, I don't know the full details. Maybe this other person April was, Ross,
1: I think, a- is, is this... April I'm, I'm Ross looking is the, this up is online. Is the new teammate? I think so, yeah. Okay,
0: so maybe April Ross's teammate isn't participating anymore. Again, this is little to no research done before
1: this rant. Well, that's good to go on a rant, you know, on a public <laughs> but, consumption thing. But you know what? I want to know what happened because if that if April Ross's teammate is still competing, that's
0: Excuse my language. That's horseshit that she walked out on her teammate just to join the other team. This is the same thing that Kevin Durant did by joining the Warriors. It all comes full circle. (laughs) This is ridiculous. That's un-American. And you know what? I hope they lose. I hope they lose. And I hope Ross's teammate found an even better teammate and she beats her ass because... That's bullshit. You work with someone, especially... You Again, know,
1: audience, he has no idea if this is what actually <laughs> happened. He's going on this rant, and he has no idea if no, this actually I know for is a what fact, happened.
0: I know for a fact that as at the finals in 2012, she hugged her, and she said, let's go win a gold in Rio. And that's pretty ballsy to do that. First of all, A... You're saying, "Hey, I want you to ditch that person," and B, you're disrespecting that other person because you're saying, "I don't want you on my
1: team. I want your teammate." So if she's if the other teammate wasn't as good as you know, then you know then she should have upped her game. She could have been better. In America, you're the best. If you're not the best, you're nothing. Clearly, uh, Anthony is not as fired up about this as I am, (laughs) but uh,
0: that's my big takeaway. So that'll be interesting. Other than that, um, you know, track and field is always fun. It's great to see Usain Bolt run because he's fast as hell. Uh, Any other events. You're looking forward to that have yet to start.
1: I watch well. No, I've been. I watch uh, the boxing, and um, I'm excited to watch Jordan Burroughs, uh, wrestler, uh, see if he can defend his uh, gold medal this year. Um, probably, you know, maybe one of the finest, if not the finest, you know, wrestler we've had outside of Kale Sanderson. And um, there's a
0: big upset today in the 112. It was like a two-minute upset I saw I on uh, Twitter. I haven't, uh, I haven't looked at anything today. So, again, lack um, of research. I don't know anyone's name. Yeah. Don't know the countries. I just saw yeah.
1: upset. I'm glad that our audience comes for the information. Good yeah. thing that we had yeah. uh, the Northern good, Trust. Yeah, good uh, thing we <laughs> have Vijay on to actually talk about <laughs>
0: viable things because we're just shouting nothingness. Uh, I guess you know that's it for now. Uh, we appreciate you listening in, Anthony. You got anything else for the listeners?
1: Just make sure uh, again, Buy Side Technology Awards. They're open. Um, we have some new categories: blockchain. Category Agile Development, something else I can't remember. Off the it's top also of my
0: head. it's also worth putting on uh, everyone's radar that in we're about a month away from Chicago. We have a Chicago event coming up. We also in October I believe have a San Francisco event. But we'll put it on your radar. Um, you know, maybe in a future podcast we'll talk a little bit more in detail about it. But two really good programs. Uh, Anthony and or I will be there. So um, you know you know there'll be a lot of fun people to talk to. Yeah. But uh, it should be a great time. But We'll talk more about that a later date. Thanks so much for listening and uh, we'll catch you next week.